Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. If you got your notes, you want to get your notes out, we're going to begin a, a series uh, this morning. Uh, on both of our campuses, and I want to start a conversation about the miracles of Jesus. How many of you have ever looked at the miracles of Jesus in the New Testament? How many of you have ever been fascinated by them? Hands up. How many of you have ever been mystified by them? How many of you ever wonder if the same kind of possibility of God's miracles back in that day are true today and still stand for us right now? How many of you ever wondered that? That's the elephant in the room that I want us to talk about. And so we're going to begin a series and we're going to have a start a conversation uh, about the miracles of Jesus. And I want to extend the conversation beyond the edges of what Jesus did in his three years uh, on, on the earth. So I want to extend the conversation out to miracles in general and how our faith is impacted by that. And we're going to look at this in a reasonable and yet faith-centered way and see what God's going to do in our lives. Uh, when you read the New Testament, and f- frankly, when you read all of the Bible, but particularly when you read the New Testament, uh, there are, there's some incredible stuff that's implied throughout the Bible about uh, the idea that just beyond what God did uh, when he walked on the face of the earth, that it extends beyond that. And so uh, that's really what I want to have a conversation about. This stuff is all throughout Scripture in all these different verses. We could talk about a lot of them, but I've chosen one verse that I think in many ways I want to serve as sort of the theme verse for this series, and in some ways I want to say the theme verse for our whole, whole year. How many of you have an area right now in your life that, if truth be told, you would say, I really need God to show up strong in this area. Yeah, every one of us. And if you didn't raise a hand, I know that you have something going on in your heart and that would be true. And so there's a verse of scripture that I've chosen for our theme. Here's the verse. The verse is this. It's Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 and 21. I want us to read this verse out loud together. Can we just do that? Ready? Go. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I want you to think with me about this verse for just a moment. This is Paul speaking. This is Paul writing. Uh, Arguably, maybe the best Christian, I don't know, we, we should talk about it that way, maybe the you know, most effective follower of Jesus that ever walked on the face of the earth. Here he is, biblical author, church planter. And in this moment, he's coming to tell us what he has come to believe. And if you're taking notes, you want to write that down. What he's come to believe about this God that he serves. And this is what he's come to believe about this God that he serves. He's saying that based upon uh, his understanding and his experience of Jesus Christ, He has become convinced that God's power within us, now not our power, but God's power within us can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Now let's just pause right there for a moment. That's a bold statement. 
Wouldn't you agree? Can we, just, can we just acknowledge that? That's a bold statement because if you're like me, here's the thing. I can ask or imagine a lot, right? And so here's really what I want to talk to us about this morning. Do you believe that he is speaking that truth based on his personal experience? And that he's not just offering to us in this space a religious platitude. Because here's the elephant in the room. Many people uh, today, uh, based on their connection with truths like we're looking at, whether they have experienced uh, the grace of what Paul is talking about or whether they have not experienced that, your faith rises or falls based on your experience with that truth right there. And a lot of us are here, and, if, and one of the things I love about our church is that we acknowledge, again, we don't, we don't take a, 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 a predispositional point of view that says everybody comes in here and we're on an even plane in terms of our experience of the Christian faith. And what, what we in fact do offer is we believe that everybody's coming from a different place. And some of us have had some experiences where we have really leaned into a truth like this. It hasn't turned out exactly the way we had hoped and our faith is challenged by it. So uh, I want to begin a conversation, and I want to talk to you about the miracles of Jesus, and I want to extend the conversation beyond just the miracles of Jesus and talk about miracles and faith and the connection of that uh, together. And rather than jump right into the first miracle Jesus ever performed, I wanted to have a conversation that would sort of tee up what I want us to think about together. And here's the thing. Today, what I want to do is I want to establish in so many ways, I want to establish some ground rules. I want to establish some some ways that I would invite us in this space over these next several weeks to begin to think together as a congregation, because here's what I believe as I've been praying about this. I believe God has a specific thing that he wants to show you and teach you in your life specifically related to what we're going to learn. But... I also believe when I'm praying that God has a specific word he wants to say to our church together, collectively around this. So here's what I acknowledge as I come into the space. This is high stakes stuff. Because I recognize in a space like this, uh, we're, we're, we're all over the map. Some of us look at that and we go, now that's, that is really a cool religious sentimental idea, but it's just sort of a, it's a religious platitude. It doesn't have deep meaning. And some of us are here and we've personally experienced this in a powerful way. And so our faith is solid around this. So we're going to open that can and we're going to have that conversation together. Sound like a good idea? Amen. Four of us. Awesome. I'm pumped. Okay. (laughs) Now, here's the thing I want to say. This is, a, this is a great follow-up to what we just looked at at Christmas, and he, let me explain. Uh, all through December, uh, most Christian churches will acknowledge in some regard, we sing it, we talk about it. Now it's even this thing where many of us who don't have a lot of religious experience, we know it, so if the pastor calls it out, he or she calls it out, it's, it's not uncommon for us to know the answer. In, in December, we talk about this idea, this, this fundamental truth uh, which is what we call the miracle of the incarnation. 
The miracle connected to the idea that God is with us. We looked at this past December. If you're here at Community of Hope, we looked at this verse that said, you know, the word was made flesh and what? Dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. We saw him. We look at verses like uh, where it says uh, in, in Matthew about Emmanuel, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means what? Here it is. God with us. See, we all know that. We're all Bible scholars in the room. Okay. And here's the interesting thing I want to talk to you about this. That, that, by the way, I'll just tell you that that is the central miracle uh, of Christianity. In fact, C.S. Lewis, who we're going to talk a little bit about this morning, says the mystery of the incarnation is the central miracle of the Christian experience. And the central idea of the incarnation, by the way, the central promise in the Bible is that God is with us. One author I was reading says it this way, the central promise in the Bible is not, I will forgive you, although, of course, this is a major promise God offers. The central promise is not in the Bible, life after death, although this is offered to us as well. The central promise in the Bible and in the biblical writers is, I will be with you. Before Adam and Eve ever sinned or needed forgiveness, there was the promise of God's presence, and the scripture said that God would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. The promise came to Enoch who walked with God. It was made to Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Amos, Mary, and Paul. Too many to list. It's the reason we can have courage because the Bible says, don't be terrified, I will be with you wherever you go. It's the idea that keeps us when we're going into darkness and we don't have to be afraid because the promise says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. When Jesus left the earth after the resurrection, he promised to send his spirit, and he said, I'm with you to the end of the age. And at the end of time, when sin is a a distant and defeated enemy, yeah, and forgiveness is obsolete because we don't need it anymore. The Bible, man, I just get emotional about it. The Bible says God's dwelling place will now be among his people and he will dwell with them, they will be his people, and he will be their God. The central promise of Scripture is he's with you. The central miracle of Christmas is the incarnation. Here's what I want to ask you. Is that only a religious sentimental value for Christmas? And not, as the song says, January, February, June, or July. I thought that would be funny. (laughs) Is he there for us all the time? This is what I want to talk about. Because sometimes I don't think we're connecting our faith to these experiences and going long enough. We don't go all the way. And sometimes I think we miss our miracle because we don't, we just don't go all the way. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. I remember a funny story about a guy that just kept getting sick and he was just not feeling well. He went to the doctor. He kept going all over town. He was just not getting better, not getting better. And finally he goes back to his primary care physician. His physician says, I, I don't think there's anything else we can do for you. You're just not getting better. And so he goes home and tells his wife what the doctor say. He said, the doctor says, he thinks I'm going to die. There's like nothing he can do. So she marches into the doctor's office and she goes, what, what's the deal? And he, and with my, my husband and 
And the doctor says, I, I really, I, I think we've tried everything we can try. I don't, I don't think he's going to make it. There's only one thing. There might be one thing that changes all of this. Why don't you go home and for the next three months, why don't you meet his every need? Why don't you cook his favorite meals? Why don't you rub his feet at night? Why don't you romance him all through the week? And he tells her this. She goes back to her husband and husband says, what did the doctor say? She said, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> You can use that later. Here's the thing. I want to challenge you in this series. I want to challenge you to go all the way. And there's a biblical idea behind it. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that I think really talks about this. And I want us to watch what's going on. This is how I want to tee up our series. In John chapter, uh, or in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 53... Uh, and let me just set this up. This is, if I got this right, this is on the tail end of, for those biblical scholars in the room, this on the tail end of what is called the second discourse of Jesus. I believe there are five major discourses, teaching sections in the gospel of Matthew. This is at the end of the second one. All these teaching, all these parables. What precedes that after the parables is all these miracles, So we have this teaching, we have these miracles, and you'll notice a rhythm in the New Testament often. Teaching miracles, teaching miracles, teaching miracles. So we get to the end of that discourse. Now watch what happens right on the tail end of all of this motion. Jesus is coming into all of his popularity. And in verse 53, it says this, notice. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. And coming into his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't uh, isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brother's names James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Let's pray. Lord, I would just ask in this space that you would do something fresh. Would you you scrape off of our souls dead religion. Would you give us renewed passion never to practice or engage in that behavior in this place? But by your Spirit, you would come and say fresh words to open hearts. This we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. I think, in many ways, this is one of the most disturbing stories in all of Scripture. Uh, It's, in some ways, I think, one of the saddest stories in Scripture. And there are some sad stories. Many of us who are involved right now in in our reading plan, a lot of us, we encourage everybody every year to jump into a reading plan on version and read through the Bible. And I always participate in two. Word of God Speak, which 
Kathy Copan put on version, And uh, the other one is uh, uh, the Life Journal Reading Plan. And we're reading, Life Journal Reading Plan is reading through Genesis. And there's some really sad stories in Genesis. One in Genesis 3 where, where, where uh, Adam and Eve have already eaten of the fruit. And before that, you know, in all this weird mystery, the Bible says God would come down. We just said that in the cool of the day and visit with them. And so God's coming down to visit with them and they're hiding. God is calling out to them. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And, they, and he finds Adam hiding. That's sad. You go over a couple of chapters into Genesis chapter 6, and the Bible says it, I think it like this. It says, when the Lord saw all the wickedness of men and that it was great and that the intent and the thoughts of humanity was always on evil continually, God was sorry he made man. Sad. And I think one of the saddest verses as well that would fit right in with this is Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. I want to put it on the screen. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And uh, here's what I want to tell you about going all the way. When we look at that, a lot of people interpret that actually, I believe, incorrectly. And so we put the basis on this idea just on our own level of faith. A lot of us have been told things like if we have a certain level of faith, absolutely every single thing we pray for will always come true every time. And then it doesn't, and our faith slides. Sometimes I think it's connected to a verse like this, but when you do the work on this verse, actually, the idea behind this is pretty interesting and I think very relevant for us to look at. He did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. What it's really pointing at is this. They didn't show up so he could do some miracles in their life. It wasn't because he was unwilling. They weren't in attendance. They missed it. And, and what I want to bring before you this morning, uh, in fact, if you look at, I want to, before I move on too quickly, I want to move over to Mark chapter 6 has the same story. Mark adds this, says Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime the Lord is amazed about anything, we may want to take notice of that, right? He was amazed at their lack of faith. Like, oh, he gets there, they're not there. And, and what's relevant for us, I think, in our lives as we begin to talk about this, there are two things that I really want to push on real quickly. One was, I believe, and you may want to write this down, their unfamiliarity with who he actually was. Do you see it in the story? It's, it's right in front of us. I've been, I've been just sort of stuck on this idea in this image. I want to I show you this next verse. Look at this, what it says here. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in the synagogue. They were amazed. Where did this man? Anybody uh, mildly perplexed that they didn't even call him by his name? 
And we might just look at that as sort of a grammatical sort of oversight, but actually it's all through the story. Let me show you broader context. Look at this. Watch this. Coming to the hometown, he began to teach people in synagogue. They were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom? These miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? It's as though they were doing this the whole time with Jesus. Is that not what we do in our culture, by the way? I just need a little bit. We live in a culture with, I need a little bit of Christmas. I need a little bit at Easter. I'm good. No, no offense, I always want to remind people of these great crowds at Christmas. I want to go, hey, actually, we do this every seven days. <laughs> See you next week. I mean, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, I want to challenge you this year. Don't be unfamiliar with Jesus. Don't hold him at arm's length. Invite him in. So let me just tell you, start, start the year off right. Invite him right into the middle space of your life. Doesn't have to be all religious weird. Just invite him in. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about Paul, right? Let me, let me connect another dot to you. We're learning today. We're doing some groundwork. We're laying some track over where I want to go. We just, I just showed you about Paul. Paul, uh, who says, not him who's able to do above and beyond whatever we might ever ask or imagine or think according to his power that works within us, to him be the glory. That's, that's the verse. That's the theme verse. Here's what Paul wrote one time in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Look at this. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know his power. I want to know his resurrection. I want to even participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. So somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, that's the greatest miracle of all. Could there be some connection between a lack of miraculous power flowing in our lives because of our unfamiliarity and the connection that Paul was able to say what he was experiencing because he said that. I believe there's a direct connection to that. I want to know Christ. Simple question. Do you want to know Christ? Now, some of you might be looking at me a little amazed and going, well, we're here, aren't you? You do your job and I'll get to know Christ. I know some of you are thinking that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. For many, many years, I sat where you sat. And I didn't really want to know Christ. I was doing the religious thing. It's easy, by the way. Are we appropriately challenged yet so I can move on? Okay. All right. One more, one more thing. So our unfamiliarity, and watch this. Here's the other thing I see in here. I see over-familiarity. Do you see it? I mean, it's just right there. You know, it's interesting. I'll say this real quick. We've got to move on. 
in Matthew 13, 57, this is an amazing thing that Jesus says. A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, in his own home. And the issue in that space there, watch this, is honor. Jesus wants honor. And when we come into space like this and, and we worship him, we're honoring him. I have people ask me from time to time, why does God want to be worshipped? That seems so self-centered. Had, I've been asked that question. And it would be in one sense easy to look at that and go, God, it does kind of look a little self-centered. Doesn't it? it just wants to be worshipped. But Jesus is, I think, really trying to drive at, we're going to worship something in our life. You came in here this morning, you're worshiping something. And, and, and here's what I know about worship. When we worship God, he gets bigger. And I wonder sometimes if that's not what he wants. If you worship me, I just get bigger. When you have little kids, what, what, as soon as kids can start to talk, what, what do parents often say to little, little kids? You are getting so big. How big are you? Little kid, well, what will that child will often say what? I'm so big. I'm so big. And why do parents do that? Parents want their child to, to, to know they're growing. And as they're growing, to know that they will be able and equipped to face the challenges that life throws at them. You're getting so big. You're a big boy. You're a big girl. And C.S. Lewis, when he's writing Chronicles of Narnia, he, uh, in one of the books, I commend them to you, and uh, one of the children come back to see Aslan, who is the Christ-like figure uh, in the books, in the story, in the narrative, in the Chronicles. And she hasn't seen Aslan, the lion, in a long time. And when she sees him, she says, you're bigger. And, and Aslan says, I am bigger. I'm bigger because you're older. And she says, don't you mean you're older? And he goes, no, I'm the same. But when you grow with me, I get bigger. <laughs> I think God this year wants to get bigger for a lot of us. You're, you're, you're looking at your mountain and Jesus is inviting us into a conversation to look at our mountain mover. He's moved a lot of mountains. <laughs> Lord, I pray that uh, in what we are going to look at, uh, in the promises of your scripture, that we would come to know that, that you would say fresh things to us. Lord, I thank you, God, that we can push at deep truths and they will stand. So we thank you for that, oh God, and that we pray that you would use this in important ways in our lives as we begin this new year. For we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Go in his blessing and his grace. We'll see you next weekend.